On today's episode, Mike and Ryan do a little field research with the infamous Three Floyds Brewery. Cheers. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Brewers and Law Podcast, where beer is thicker than water. Join us on a journey discovering homebrewing, craft beer, and more. My name is Ryan, and with me is Mike, as always. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's technically a Saturday for me. I, li- I like my new Saturday job. Saturday part where, one. <laughs> yeah. I get every other Friday off because I work a little extra every day. Yeah. Well, good for you. I know. Right? <laughs> it usually involves me doing more housework around it. Like I haven't done it yet, but I'm probably going to mow the yard. I was going to say. Yeah. When I came in, he was playing Gears of War. So. This is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your day off. It's not your chore day. Exactly. Unless you want it to be. Yeah, I know. So, as we talked about the, um, at the intro, we're going to be trying out the very, very infamous and very, very good Three Floyds Brewery, um, in which for us here in Michigan, it's though it's in Indiana, it's never been in Michigan until like just recently, recently, this yeah. year. And um, I was thinking to myself when we were doing thinking about our first sip for this, what other breweries that are like known and whether across the country or even different regions, do we not have here and wish we could have? So for example, and I hope I'm not taking this away from you, Yingling from Pennsylvania is not here in Michigan. It's right. like, I wish it was. And it's, it's like how, something we make a point to get yes, when we're in the area. Exactly. If yeah. I see it available to purchase, I'm going to purchase and bring it home. Yeah. Mike, what is one of those for you? That's not in this area that you wish was. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go big on this one. My my initial impulse was to say Russian River, but that is the one that I already used when you said like what's one West Coast brewery that you really want to go to. True, true, true. So I'm gonna go way beyond that, and I'm gonna say that I would love if we could get um <laughs> the uh the beers from like the West Valetran Monastery or West Valetran Abbey in Belgium. Is <laughs> that <Isn't> like <laughs> They are, uh, you know, infamously, they never export, you know, there's yeah. like, you, you just have to go there to get their beers. Um, and I've always wanted to try cause a lot of people like Belgian lovers, a lot of them consider the West Valetran 12, like the best beer in the history of beer. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to try it. And if we could get it in Michigan, then I could. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Well, you kind of took mine actually. Mine wasn't actually a brewery, it's a style. So we did the episode on Belgium singles. Yeah. And I am going to say I wish they did allow Belgium singles. Because you were saying in that episode, a lot of monasteries have a Belgium single. They just don't give it out to people yeah. because it's for the monks. Yeah. I wish they would let us try yeah. it. That's fair though, because I've heard that like at at some of the places you can like get it in at the like on site or mm-hmm. like across the street. And like, that's a long that's a long way for us to go for a beer. I mean, I like a good beer, but that's a long beer run. It's a long way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, actually. We both kind of went to Belgium with it because, mm-hmm. like, my first five thoughts were all in in the U.S. But uh, I yeah. I had I was gonna say I I do love Ling Ling, and I think it's really good. I wish it came here. The other one. They just kind of recently, in the last few years, started doing it as original Coors, like actual Coors. Yeah, Coors Banquet. Um, they just, recently yeah. started bringing it and distributing it outside the Colorado, Rocky yeah. area. 
Um, I'm stoked about it. It's really good. It I, is actually. I, 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 I don't I know how the Coors Light. About a month yeah. ago. I'm not a huge Coors Light guy, but Coors itself is actually really, really yeah, good. It's, so. it's very yummy. Yeah, that's actually. So your point is very interesting because I would love. I mean, like, I mean, I would just love if we could get whatever we wanted. But like, <laughs> uh, like uh, just British beer in general too is one where it's mm. like uh, your choices are very limited outside of Britain. So if like if you could get like Fuller's full selection of beers or something mm-hmm. like that or um and and just like fresh examples that haven't been just like sitting on the import shelf collecting dust yes like that'd be great <laughs> well there's That's actually another really good idea just like more like styles like if we could mm-hmm. just have a style here i would take just i, I like british bitter or british mild yeah. or something would be awesome i actually have another one we um a while ago my fraternity went on a trip to boston and we went to sam adams brewery mm-hmm. there and um, at, they do a tour of the brewery. We can't get that anywhere. I know, but <laughs> they do certain beer styles that they test and and keep either in the brewery that before they distribute it or keep it really really local. Yeah, it's like tap room only. Yeah. So there was a beer there, and it was like glacier ice or something like that, and which sounds like a Gatorade flavor, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it really really good. It might and be it was it was flavor. a very crisp, very refreshing beer, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And this was 10 years ago at this right. point, and it's still not available. It so this, yeah, yeah, it did not make the cut. So I was a little sad about that. Yeah. Well, let's dive into Three Floyds. I think we, we've we had Three Floyds. We talked about Three Floyds quite a bit. We get it when we can. Yeah. Now, But now that's in, in Michigan, like our local grocery stores have it, which is amazing. Um, and actually just recently I started seeing more and more at our grocery store. Oh, really? Like it was, it was literally just two of them and that was it. And one was the Oktoberfest. Yeah. Um, and then they had, I think it was, um, probably Alpha King. I think it was zombie dust actually. Zombie dust. Yeah. Oh no. Um, gumball. Oh yeah. Gumball. gumball. Okay. So that, those were the only two they had at, at our grocery store. And then like last week we went there, they had like a few others like zombie uh, dust was yeah. there and everything else. So I'm going to give it over to you okay. and we're going to, let's dive into this. I am thirsty. So yeah, we, we got to get to our first beer. Got a lot of talking to get through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I will say, I, I know for me, we're, let's just start with like our impressions. So I, I remember I had never heard of three Floyds before. I had a friend in college who went to Chicago. Okay. Um, Three Floyds is based in Munster, Indiana, which is like kind of on the way, you know, it's, or it's not on the way exactly, but if you're driving from Michigan to Chicago, it's like a worthwhile detour as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. I've never done it myself, but zombie dust had just come out. And at that time it was like really hard to find. He like waited in a car line to to get it (laughs) like curbside pickup. Wow. And uh, apparently they just, they sell out, they sold out really fast. So he yeah. came back and was like, oh my God, I got some. And, he, <laughs> and then he was nice enough to, you know, part with a six pack. Um, and so, yeah, so that was like, it, it immediately for me had that like mystique of like, oh, it's, you know, this is like, this is the, you know, he waited in line for this, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and it was, you know, really good. Um, and, and. I know now since I'd I had had that experience a couple times where just like people I knew would grab it was always zombie dust yeah. um, and I would just have a chance to have some and then I happened to find it a couple of times on tap places like uh, uh, Sheboygan or no not not Sheboygan um, uh, wait shoot yeah well, we were in a national park in uh, Ohio I want to say it's 
It's not Sheboygan. It's something like that, though. Okay. Totally blanking on the name. But anyway, <laughs> found it at like a, a, a bar there. I'm a super stoked to have it on draft. And then I think uh, Hopcat has had it like once. I can see Hopcat definitely having it. Even though it wasn't in Michigan otherwise. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like a specialty th- arrangement. Um, and so, like, I'd had it just that handful of times. It always felt really special. Uh, so, yeah, like... Three Floyds for me always sort of had that mystique, and I mostly always just associated it with zombie dust, though I'd had the mm-hmm. chance once yeah. when we were traveling to pick some up and bring it home for some other styles home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how about you? What was like your first experience with the brewery? Um, with the brewery, it was actually, we did a trip to Chicago. Like, I think you kind of introduced it to me a little bit here and there, and mostly zombie dust. I probably dust. just talked about yeah. it like I just did. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Well, it seems like such a big deal. It's so hot right now. <laughs> but um. We were in Chicago for this a, a random kind of vacation thing, a quick vacation weekend, and I we went to a store and we we saw I saw it there and I was like, oh look, and I'm like, oh, there's so many more that they do, yeah, yeah, and like the first thing that really catches my eye with and it, and we'll talk probably talk about this is the design of the the six pack yeah. and designs yeah. of the bottles, um, so I won't take your thunder from that, but like. They're really cool. They, they made, really, they, they really catch your eye. Yes. Yeah. And like, I'm like, okay, I gotta, gotta get some of this and just bring it home. Like, kind of like what we do with the Yingling. We're like, yeah. okay, let's, let's grab a couple up. six packs <laughs> and let's go. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could try it on tap though, because the, 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 the rumor and the, the legend is, I guess, is like on tap is better than bottle and cans because it just feels a little fresher. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, there's like that the experience too, you know, Yeah. of get ordering something on tap. I feel like there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to introduce them to you. So yeah. now we could both be stoked the first time we like walked <laughs> in and saw them at a store in Michigan. I actually, I stopped and like called Haley and was like, oh my God, they have zombie dust here. <laughs> um, but uh, so w- with that said, we've kind of talked about some of like the mystique uh, I'm a, I'm about to just do like a kind of a brief explanation of of sort of the history of the brewery and kind of what they're like. Yeah. But first, just to kind of overview the episode, uh, since in these episodes it, it can tend to take a little while to get through this intro bit, we are going to be we'll talk about the um, the brewery, and then we are going to try one beer, uh, their Christmas porter, and then we're going to take a break. And then we're going to try three more of their beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I've really wanted to hone in on their pale ales and we'll, we'll talk about why later, but they have a strikingly large selection of pale ales and both their flagship and one of their most infamous beers, zombie dust mm-hmm. are pale ales. Yeah. And so, and not, a, not India, not an actual, not IPA. an IPA, yeah. just a pale ale or yes. an American pale ale. Yep. Yeah. So I find that really fascinating that they've really honed in on that style, despite mm-hmm. it not being like super in the zeitgeist at the moment yeah and we'll talk about that later but uh so that's the overview let's get into the history so three floyds opened in 1996 in munster indiana the quote from the website armed with only a few hundred dollars a five barrel frankenstein wok burner fried brew kettle (laughs) repurposed open swiss cheese fermenters called hammond squares and an old canfields cola tank quote, it's not normal, end quote, ales and lagers were born. Um, so, you know. That, honestly, I believe that, it's 100% true. Like, that, nothing doubts me on that. Yeah, the classic <laughs> microbrew, like started in yep. the garage kind of feel. So their uh, flagship beer is Alpha King Pale Ale. That is 
I believe has always been their flagship beer okay. um, from, you know, right through to present day, which is interesting because like, I know, uh, um, like I know stone pale ale was like, I believe stones, uh, flagship beer and they like retired it for a while, but, uh, they, they have consistently produced alpha King to my knowledge. They didn't open their brew pub in Munster until 2005. Okay. So that's kind of the beginning of their career. You know, about nine years of, I presume, presumably distributing. Then they finally opened what became kind of a famous destination brew pub. Right. So the slogan, it's not normal. Um, the the description here I found, this credit to vinepair.com, which is like a, you know, news and culture website. Uh, it says extreme without breaking the rules of the German beer law, which says beer can only be made with four standard ingredients. Yeah. Now I would note this yeah. is not this isn't actually <laughs> true of all their beers anymore, but that is sort of for them. I I just think it's interesting because it's not normal. Makes me think of something like Oddside. Yeah. But like Oddside ales, they are explicitly about these like uh wildly themed beers, which often have like tons of adjuncts in them, like the Mayan Mocha Stout that has like it's like chocolate, coffee, peppers, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So that's where the odd and odd side comes from. There, it's not normal is more like they're using standard practices to really push, you know, push styles and stuff. Yeah, right? or push the limits. Push what beer yeah. can be, I guess. Yeah. That's how they see it. So it probably also refers to the brewery's distinctive heavy metal and comic book kind of art aesthetic that they have going <laughs> That on. they definitely do. Um, and so I know you made mention to that earlier. What, just out of curiosity, if someone wants to do a Google image search, what what is your like favorite uh, like box art or bottle art? Lich King. Floyd's? The Lich King, for sure. The zombie dust? Yes. Okay, yeah. That one is, yeah, it's it's really cool. I, I also am a big fan of uh, the Alpha King. Yep. It, uh, again, that's it's sort of, those are sort of their classics. But if you go on their website, um, they work with a variety of different artists for both their can and bottle and then the packaging design. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they're really forward about crediting those artists. It's like the name of the beer, the IBUs and the ABV, then the artist's name, and then a description of the beer on the website. Wow, like they yeah. really put them front and center. And That's school. good though. That's really, it's really yeah. good to see. I mean, cause we, we, we talked about that with Terrapin where like yeah. they do some crazy, like psychedelic yeah. looking and they make sure they're kind of credit they do credit the uh art yeah. or the designers for that as well yeah and it's uh, yeah it's it i always find that neat i think it's a really cool like sort of mode of creativity for artists too because there's always mm-hmm. new beers so it's yeah. like a fount of like a constant need for new art mm-hmm. um yeah just really neat and they just have like you said they such a like a shelf presence where you stop and go oh yeah it's like um, it's like when you go to the library and you see like a cover of a book it's just like wait yeah. I'm intrigued. Enough. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so sort of in keeping with that, they apparently like will play like metal music in the, the they played metal music in the brew house. Of course. They actually in 2010 teamed up with uh heavy metal band Pelican to brew a doppelbot called the creeper for the band's 10th anniversary. <laughs> and since they've collaborated with like Mastodon, Cannibal Corpse, Exodus and like a bunch of other heavy metal bands to do beers as well. I, I know one of them, but yeah. <laughs> so they, they really, yeah. The only, the only one of those I actually listened to is Mastodon. Yep. That's all. There's a list on Wikipedia. So, you know, <laughs> um, and in addition to that, then, you know, a lot of the art is, is um, like very comic book inspired. And so they've actually released a comic book as a collab with a uh, friend of the brewery, Brian Azzarello, I think. So this is hilarious. The story follows an Indiana brewer 
Course. who transforms into Alpha King in an yep. alternate reality and takes on a villain by the name of Rice King. And the whole the whole <laughs> overtone, like, do you get it? It's like basically, you know, fighting big beer, yes. particularly big beer that tends to use a lot of rice in their beers. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's that makes a really sense. really hilarious little thing. When did, when did that come out? Uh, I, don't, I didn't write it. Because I do remember um, the big ones like Budweiser and Miller kind of going after the small breweries yeah. saying like, oh, yeah, no, you guys use weird things, but we're still like, right. we're, we're we're the best. We're beer flavored beer. Yeah. 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 They had that. Yeah. Yeah, what was that commercial? The, the commercials were like, yeah, beer for people who like beer. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that was just kind of like a, a it's apparently a little goofy chapter in that whole <laughs> de- uh, debate or whatever. And then Gumball Head, who is the uh, eponymous like punk cat from the Gumball Head beer, mm-hmm. he that cat has his own web comic too. So it's kind of yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> they they like really kind of have a foot in the door of like of art and comics and stuff way more than any other brewery I've ever heard of. Yeah. And that's interesting. So um, probably for all of those, those and other reasons by 2018, the brewery had grown to be the 39th largest brewery in the USA by sales. Wow. Despite the fact that at that time you could only find them in Northern Indiana in the Chicago area. And then in Wisconsin, Ohio and Kentucky. Those are the only places they got they, all the way up to Wisconsin and not. Mm. I know it's it's BS. They had us surrounded, <laughs> but you couldn't get it in Michigan. But um, but yeah, I find that really fascinating. That like they had, despite being so regional, they had like thirty nine really? largest brewery. Is yeah, like, that's that's Especially, pretty. I mean, considering that's a lot of sales. how many breweries are out there and how big a lot of them are, like it's it's insane. For yeah. just a regional brewery. Yeah. And so they, uh, again, uh, that was largely in part to them kind of being distinguished as like a pilgrimage destination. Yeah. They um, they have a, a Russian imperial stout called Dark Lord that has its own associated festival, apparently, called Dark Lord Day. And that is apparently <laughs> something that'll, that'll attract people from all over the world. So they really cultivated this sense of... Um, kind of just being, uh, again, just sort of being a pilgrimage destination um, for beer lovers, particularly with Dark Lord and with Zombie Dust. Um, so then moving forward, uh, Three Floyds Distilling, which was the distillery arm, uh, opened in 2017, offering whiskey, gin, rum, and aquavit. Um, so I've never had a chance to try any of those, but I, I find that kind of interesting. That's sort of been a, a, a common thing I've been seeing more is, is breweries getting into distilling. Yeah, um, that's very true. I know uh, we, I mean, we were talking about the one in Oxford, the one that we did interview our interview with. Yeah. They were talking about going into cap, it yeah. and they're, and they're very new even that's trying right. into it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're fairly small. Um, so yeah, that's cool. There were plans to expand the brewery, but that may have been interrupted by the COVID pandemic. I haven't yeah. been able to ascertain if it's done yet. So they, uh, and that's kind of where the, the history stops. So during COVID, the brewery closed in March, the brew pub did. And then they decided not to reopen in May, even when restaurants were allowed to reopen in Indiana due to concern for their staff and patrons. So as of December 1st, 2020, they made the decision to close the brew pub permanently, Uh though it still offers curbside pickup. And they Uh even still offer some pickup only beers, like ones they don't distribute. You can get at the- Oh, nice. I think probably in growlers and stuff. Yeah. I don't know, but- Yeah, Dragon Me was doing something similar to that, where you you had to call ahead, but you can come in- Yeah. And with a growl, or they weren't taking, you had to buy the new growler every single time, but like they'd fill your growler for you. Yeah. 
And then you just pick it up and go. That really helped us get through. Really <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now so, we have a ton of growlers. So, so. That's, it's a shame, you know. Uh, you, you you always hate to see that COVID hit hit a sort of national landmark like that. But seemingly as a consequence of it, they have recently expanded their distribution. And I don't know how widely. All I know is we can get them in Michigan. I'm, and so I'm we're, stoked we're for that. So. About it. <laughs> so, um, so with that in mind, that's kind of what what they're about. Um, I think if you're cool with it, uh, let's let's just open a beer because I'm I'm pretty I'm, thirsty. I would say we let's we try ate one. We, we've kind of showered them with praise a lot. Let's see if they can back it up. So I've got here sort of a special uh, seasonal beer. Um, should be perfect for release time. I think this release is right after Christmas, and mm-hmm. we have got the Alpha Claws um, Christmas Porter. All right, so this beer is uh, seven. 67 IBU, which is pretty high. That Uh, is pretty high. The artist is um, Simon Bisley or Simon, Simon Biley, B-I-S-L-E-Y. Okay. Um, So since, since they make a point to credit their artists, I'm going to do the same. And we see basically the Alpha King half transformed into Santa, but mostly still a zombie man. I'm about to say he looks kind of like something from, uh, uh, what was they? Krampus or whatever it was oh, and they the, did the, the horror Krampus, Christmas yeah. Christmas that movie exactly whatever it was what this looks like right. <laughs> so the description while you take a sip says Alpha King's festive cousin a big American Christmas porter brewed with English chocolate malt Mexican sugar and of course tons of strange American hops I can def what hops are in this does it does not say. does not say because I do definitely get oh, wow, like interesting a, like a very hoppy like a very American hoppiness to it yeah with, I have like, never had a porter this hoppy yeah, before that's that's very different. I like it though, so I cannot complain. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. It almost defies your expectations. Like the the porter malt flavor is still there as like a backbone, mm-hmm. but it is very much. I don't I don't know what that would, I what would I be using again? Christmassy sixty seven. That's higher than two hearted. Yeah, so it's like really and, hoppy and, beer. And too hard is pretty hoppy. So. Yeah. This almost to me is like verging on like a black IPA or something. Yeah, honestly, I agree, hundred percent agree. Because yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's very dark. It's got that like deep, oh, deep kind of off black flavor. I'm staring into the eyes of Satan on this one. This is how You're dark it is. Staring into the eyes of Alpha Claus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I may have uh, my eyes may have been bigger than my my tummy in terms of how much I poured us, but um, so. Yeah, so that is that is one of their seasonal beers. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come back from break, I want to start talking just a little. Well, actually, let's let's save kind of our discussion of kind of oh, what makes them special for the end of the episode. Okay. But one thing I really do want to hit on, we've talked about some of it. Um, but um, if if you look at their if you look at their year round offerings, four out of their ten year round offerings are pale ale. And so when I find that really fascinating, like I said, and when we come back from break, uh, let's we'll finish these on break and then we will <laughs> we'll get into pale ales and try some of their pale ales and see if we can pin down just kind of why they have such an affinity mm-hmm. and and what is unique about their take on that Absolutely. style. Yeah, that's, that's right? a great that's a great radio tease right there if that's I ever a seen good, one. That was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, we need a good teaser aside from, well, we're going to finish these beers now. Yes. Mike you guys can just much. be jealous of us finishing our beers. <laughs> All right. All right. Cheers. To you being jealous of us finishing our beers. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you.
One heist. Six plots for betrayal. When Raya Cautella cons five other thieves into helping her steal a magical artifact from the most powerful man in the world, she knows she's playing with fire. What she doesn't know is that the rest of her crew is just as underhanded as she is, and they all have plans of their own. MJ Kuhn's Among Thieves, a fantasy heist novel full of twists, turns, and betrayal, available beginning September 7th wherever books are sold. Visit mjkuhn.com for more details. Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern the legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! Okay, and we are back. Um, let's get into talking about pale ale. So as I said, um, so Three Floyds focuses a lot on hoppy beers. So if you look at their their 10 yearly uh, year-round releases based on Wikipedia, uh, eight out of the 10 are either IPAs or pale ales. Eight but out of the 10, wow. Eight out of the 10. And then there's, there's one wheat that's Gumball Head and then mm. the Robert the Bruce Scott. Oh, I forgot they do that one too. Yeah, that oh. one's good. Uh, and so, but, you know, obviously they have a focus on hops, but I think that the pale ale thing is really fascinating because it's just not a style you see a lot right no. now. In this day and age, it's not super in vogue as much as like, what would you say like the biggest hoppy styles right now? The biggest hoppy style? Hoppy styles, yeah. I'd probably say like just IPAs in general. Like, I mean, you got New England IPAs are coming in hot. You got Imperial IPAs, double IPAs, triple I yeah, mean, we see rice too, and sessions. Session yeah. Sessions are starting to get a little more yeah. popular. That's actually interesting. The the I, I wouldn't have said Imperial IPA, but I think you're right. Like there is, it's almost like I don't think there's anything commercial, but definitely your brewery, yeah. a brewery in your area will have an Imperial IPA of some sort. Yeah, almost everyone does at least one, and a lot of them make their way into stores too. Because yeah, it's like it's almost like uh, that. That's what I think is so interesting about pale ale is it's like. Uh, People either want tons of hops where they'll go for an Imperial or like a double IPA. They they mm-hmm. want like an IPA taken to its logical extreme or they want a milder version of IPA, which is what a pale ale is, except people right now are going towards like a New England IPA where it's like milder in, in the sense that it's less bitter yeah. or they're going for like a session where it's only really like milder and that it's lower ABV. Yes. Mm-hmm. The pale ale's kind of been left behind. Um, and it's wh- funny because I, I've known of pale ales because you got uh, Sierra Nevada does their pale ale, which is a very common- the most famous. The most yeah, famous the, the, that you the green get like can. nationwide, yeah. If you're curious what a pale ale is like, try that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's like definitely the most, your the most like down it. the center example of yes. one probably. Yes. Um, so what- so what what has been your like past experience with pale ale? Like, do do you have a favorite? Is it a is it a style you drink a lot? It's not something I drink a lot. As 
stated like I probably would go for a Sierra Nevada. It probably was a stepping stone to an IPA. Um, that makes which, sense. Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. As you were saying, it's kind of less intense um, about the hoppiness and everything. Yeah. Because I mean, there was a point in time, I, as bad as it sounds and, and weird as it sounds, like I drank, I drank as much as I hate it now, Miller Light, Labatt Light, Corona, and yeah. Mick Ultra. Like I, I, I grew up in a family that's what we drank. I definitely started there too. Yeah. But I think a lot of people did. I think I are. moved into Guinness and then I moved into a pale ale. Killian's as well, which is more of an amber. Yeah. And then I started more experimenting with other beers. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. It's like interesting. You you kind of just describe that sort of branching out thing that a lot of beer drinkers go through. And usually you, you just start trying a bunch of stuff. And like, I know for me, I, I, I bought a couple of IPAs, not knowing what they were and just being like, like I remember specifically Magic Hat number nine, which Ooh, might be I a think pale, it's pale ale, actually. But I just hated it, <laughs> and I was like, "So they don't make good beer, huh?" And then I like tried another one that I hated, and then finally somebody told me they were like, "You," I was like, "Yeah, it's just like gross and bitter," and they're like, "Yeah, it's an IPA. It's what an IPA yeah, is." Yeah, so that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, <laughs> welcome and to then, the club. And then as I started to like hops more and more, I did exactly what you said. I sort of went up through pale ale into mm-hmm. IPAs. Yep. Um. So yeah, and and so it was one of the most well-known American craft brew st- or beer styles historically, even though it has largely now been superseded by the IPA because hops are just so there are so right many now. more hop heads. Yeah, yes. so hot right now. Um, but so if we get into the stats a little bit, we're talking four and a half to six point two percent alcohol. Right. So middle sort of they, it kind of ranges from not super low, but like. They can be sessionable up to about 6%. Yeah. Um, 30 to 50 IBU, which is, again, uh, higher than a lot of other styles, but lower than IPA. Okay. And then the SRM, which is a measure of color, uh, between 5 and 10. Uh, so That's that, still pretty light. Yeah. So yeah. 5 is like a kind of a, a golden to like dark gold color. Yeah. And like 10 is probably like the lighter end of like amber. Yeah. So... Um, the I think the key sentence from the BJCP description of American Pale Ale is an average strength hop forward pale American craft beer generally balanced to be more accessible than modern American IPAs. I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's going to yeah. put the hops front and center, but it's it's balanced, and you're going to get a little bit of malt. So uh, a little bit more description says like pale, refreshing, hoppy ale, yet with sufficient supporting malt to make the beer balanced and drinkable. Clean hops. Reflecting classic or modern American or New World varieties, being like Australian or New Zealand or whatever, that like kind of galaxy mosaic sort of look. Yeah. Um, uh, and then low to moderate malt character supporting the hops, and it can show a small amount of malt character. So, yeah, my take is that this is kind of defined by its restraint and its like Goldilocks zone. That's what I really yeah. Love I was about to say that's Pale definitely Pale. that's definitely like that. It's like what if, is it, the baby bear or whatever, where it's not too like not yeah. too hard, not Goldie too locks. soft. Yeah. Meanwhile, the cat is on the fritz. Yep. Um, you hear, if you hear a jingle, that is our my yeah. cat running across. So basically, if if a pale ale strays too far in any direction, it becomes something else. If yeah. it gets if it gets too bitter and too high IB uh, too ABV, high. It, mm. it becomes an IPA. Yep. Um, if it if it is really hop focused mm-hmm. but low ABV. Then it's like a session IPA. Yep. If it is 
too malty, it becomes an amber ale. Yep, and I would say, actually, there's probably some overlap between pale ale and amber ale. I bet ale. you there is, yeah. Because um, ambers can get pretty hoppy and, and pales can verge into being malty. Yeah. So, And then with respect to, again, like to a New England IPA, it's going to be lower ABV. It's going to have a cleaner yeast character, clarity instead mm-hmm. of cloudiness. And then it's going to be lighter and and more bitter. Whereas the New England IPA, you're prioritizing like max flavor with like no bitterness yeah. most of the time. So some, again, uh, Sierra Nevada pale is like kind of the archetype example. Mm-hmm. Stone pale ale as well. Great yep. Lakes Burning River. Um, um, the Those would be, I, I think, three that are fairly easy to get your hands on that are pretty, um, pretty classic. Yeah. So uh, that kind of... Was there anything you wanted to add about just sort of describing pale ale or do you think it does a pretty good job? I, no, I, I think you probably hit every nail properly there. I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right with like, it's, it's like that Venn diagram thing where like it, the pale ale is like slightly mixed in with all these other beers and yeah. like they kind of mix together. So like yeah. you see like a little bit of the IPA come in, that little bit of a yeah. uh, Amber come in, a, like it's just, and then when you see all the extra crosses, like you see more and more expanding on beers and different flavors and profiles. And I think it's, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of sits in the middle there. Yeah. And I, I will say quick shout out to my local brewery. Uh, one of my favorite pale ales is kickstands. Pontoon. It's <laughs> one of the things that I really kickstands pontoon pale ale. The thing I love about it is that I am not my like hop head switch turns off hard in the summer, mm-hmm. except for, pale ale like to me pale ale is not so hoppy that i don't want it Mm -hmm. on like a nice day and pontoon really like the name implies it's a perfect beach beer it's a perfect boat beer beer, yeah um so with that said let's get into some of three floyd's pale ales so we're going to start with alpha king since that is their their flagship um ryan because i got a kick out of you describing uh the the other one we're gonna do okay one sentence description of the bottle here what's who who's on the one sentence what is what does alpha king look like he looks like aquaman but dead (laughs) like it looks like he's having like he has like a triton in his hand even and he looks looks like like he's in the water because his hair is like kind of going up like almost dragon ball z style i love that so (laughs) that was not where you expected me to go there i feel like they need to use that marking well that he's like alpha or he's like aquaman but dead that's that's gorgeous i love it Okay, um, so looks this is kind of pouring. What would you say? Did you call that like a light amber? A light amber, yeah, probably just under, probably still single digits, but uh, on SRM, yeah. but uh, still a fairly, little darker. Fairly clear, yeah, not crystal clear. Yeah, it's pretty clear, honestly. Ooh, so I, I actually smell quite a bit of malt. Oh yeah, definitely do. Um, so while you're taking your sip, so this is an American Pale Ale. Cheekily, it's 6.66% ABV. Uh, um, Aqu- Aquaman is Satan as well. Disappointingly, <laughs> 68 IBU. You think they could have shaved off two IBU there. I know, right? And the, the artist is Phineas X. Jones. So great job, Phineas. I'm yes. Aquaman, but dead. <laughs> um, so this one does list the hops. The hops in this are Centennial, Cascade, and Warrior. I believe all um, of that, actually. So let's get your impression, and I'll, I'll read their their explanation of it after we've had a chance to give ours you definitely get the hoppiness for sure and like the especially with those american hop centennial and everything yeah. it has that, that kind of piney yeah but i, I like will a nice say flowery thing too yeah 
But with the the malts that are in there, I feel like it does balance. It, it kind of brings it back to that pale ale feel where it's not super hoppy feel. Yeah. You just kind of, I think the one thing I would say that's very similar to IPAs, especially with, with these hops, is that you get that linger, lingering uh, feeling of hops and like yeah. the pininess in the back the, of the like throat. like it sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which I know a lot of people don't like, but I, I mean, depending on the beer, I uh, like it. See, I like it. If I want a hoppy beer, I'm probably looking for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I will say I I definitely get some fruit in this too, but it's Ooh, yeah. not it's not like uh, galaxy. It's like that classic American kind of grapefruity. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's that's largely the uh, the well well yeah Centennial and Cascade kind of are that they classic American grapefruity piney, yeah. kind of hop, hop thing. But yeah, I'm. Um, oh, the, it's the, a galaxy. It's definitely it because I just looked them up real quick. So they do. Oh, so this doesn't aromas. have galaxy in it. I thought you it, said it did. No, no, it's uh, Centennial, Cascade, and Warrior. Oh, Warrior. Okay. But yeah, Centennial and Cascade are kind of Cascade's like the classic American grapefruit, like fruity hop, citrus thing. Um, and then Centennial is is very similar. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually mm-hmm. surprised how malt forward this is like yeah. especially on the nose mm-hmm. oh for, yeah for, uh, for sure a hoppy beer it, it's almost has more hop flavor than it does hop smell and especially with the light color too like when you smell it you feel like it would be this not like super dark like like a, a porter or something like that or yeah. style but like almost more of an amber with how much the smell comes in with yeah with those malt with that yeah. malt and everything so this like really yeah kind of doughy biscuity kind of smell to yeah. me mm-hmm. not like i th- I feel like biscuit gets used for something other than what I'm thinking uh, here, like when we're talking about beer. But I literally mean like a breakfast biscuit. It's yeah. kind of what it smells like to me, like freshly baked. So, yeah, very yummy. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Anything more to say? Well, here, look. This is what they say. A bold okay, yeah. yet balanced American pale ale with slight caramel sweetness and aggressive citrus hoppiness. I can this is our flagship beer. Yep. I feel yeah. like they they pretty that the description mm-hmm. a, as advertised. And I did look up the uh, warrior. The warrior is citrus and spice, so it's probably adding oh, more okay. on top of the cascade yeah. and the centennial as well. Yeah. Okay. So next we've we've got the man himself, Zombie Dust. So one sentence description. What do we have? I here? mean, he's the Lich King from uh, from Skyrim. Simple as that. The Lich King from Skyrim. Yeah. I don't know if I ever saw that chunk of Skyrim. I mean, well, I was always a lich, like now. even if you look at um, oh, what was it? Ready Player One. I don't think they actually like dived into that part into the movie, but in the yeah. book, there was a part where he faces a lich king. Uh, I think it's like the first, like the first part of the book, and like the way they describe it is like an undead, yeah, wearing a crown and wearing the cape, and like. So if we can nerd yeah. out for a second, I'm gonna have to send you uh, this video. I might have sent it to you already, but. There's this theory based on the like Zelda Breath of the Wild two trailers that mm-hmm. that like um, Ganondorf may be coming back as a lich, Ooh. just based on like his his art design because yeah. he's kind of you can yeah. see the vibe uh, looking at looking at the zombie with the, dust with man. the wings the bat wings on it yeah yeah so we've got so far just to review we have like Aquaman but dead and the Lich King from Skyrim hey don't forget zombie uh, Santa Claus oh and, and zombie Krampus. Santa Claus Krampus. yeah Krampus, Krampus. Krampus. <laughs> Um, oh, okay, so uh, why don't you start with? I would say slightly lighter in color. I feel just yeah. a little bit. It's more of like a dark gold, yeah. than an amber. Yeah, clear. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! So Ooh. yeah, while you're taking your sip, we'll, we'll do this again. So yeah, pa- go for it. This is just called a pale ale, not an American pale ale. I don't know why they make that distinction, but six point five percent ABV, sixty-two IBU. 
Um, mm-hmm. Artist Tim Seeley. Great job, Tim. Yeah. You've birthed an icon. Yes, you All did. All right. So what are your impressions on tasting? I would almost like, and I think I, I going into a little bit of what I've done before, I thought, always thought this was an IPA, drinking it without really looking at it. Yeah. And it does have that because the maltiness is not there as much, which you can tell with the color being lighter. The hop, do we know what hops at all or no? Citra, period. Of course it is. Yes. Just citra. Yes. So that's a, a, a really interesting thing about this beer and actually about famous beers because Two Hearted famously is only Centennial. Yeah. This is only Citra. Um, and it is, this is the beer that caused me to rethink my idea that Citra was kind of a one dimensional yeah. hop because, yeah, I mean, it's really fruity and mm-hmm. citrusy. Obviously, that, yes. But there is a lot of complexity to the flavor. Yeah. And I noticed that on the can it says it's an undead pale ale. An undead pale ale. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. That's why it's not American. It's not it's a pale undead. ale. It's undead. Yeah. You're right. And you know, it's funny. I, I actually, you said you would have sworn this was an IPA. Oh, yeah. If you look at the stats from the BJCP, like this is technically above. So the what I read was uh, in general a lot of pale ales are thirty to fifty IBU, and and it and that the pale ale category tops out at about six point two percent. So this is actually I'm about to say all three that we've had so far, even the porter were above sixty. Yeah. and actually the third one we're going to try too, like the ABV and the IBU are both just above what is recommended by the BJCP. So yeah. that doesn't mean that it's not a pale ale. But it's definitely straddling the line yeah. towards being an IPA. I bet you probably like I, I've had conversations like this with uh, Uncle Bill, and I, I I do follow a few uh, actual official beer testers on TikTok that do samplings and everything, and I wonder that they got this beer into like a contest or something. Would it be considered a pale ale? Would it be considered an IPA? Or would it be yeah. considered like a hybrid of some sort? Even yeah, because it doesn't quite match either one of those guidelines, yeah. so they might qualify it because i think uncle bill said the same thing with my ipa that i made because i put a actually a, a, a for, a, the extra ingredient in there the fifth yeah, ingredient the and then so it it technically wouldn't be a, an ipa anymore at that point because it has the extra ingredient to be considered a hybrid yeah. now granted that was right, years ago interesting though because if you didn't tell them they it's not obvious that you added it, it just kind of enhances the hop yeah. flavor so you probably well, could just submit it i as bet you with those being professional beer maybe, testers they maybe, probably yeah. would be like oh no this is no there's something else in here perhaps but um but yeah it is interesting and and like cross off the bingo card, but yep. I know on Brewlosophy they've talked about this. The like <laughs> um, certain certain beer recipes that like Marshall has, he has said he's submitted in like literally in the same competition. He'll submit it to multiple categories and it'll like place well in all of them. You know, so it's like there yeah. is overlap yeah, where oh, yeah. one style meets another, and yeah. this is like I think right at that overlap. This is that Venn diagram where like the yeah. two circles come in, and that's where yeah. this beer is. And we, we've managed not to talk about it, but this beer is like very citrusy. Yes. Almost like verging on like a like a New England. It, it almost has that kind of juicy New England IPA character, except that it has the bitterness. Yes. To kind of balance, bring it back. Yeah. And I it's think like that comes, I think that comes to the, the, probably the yeast that's used. Yeah. Cause I know with, with, with well, the and, and NEPA that the I IBU. make, yeah. And IBU. Yeah. But like with the NEPA that I make, like there is, like it's, I mean, you put in a crazy amount of hops, which is ridiculous, yeah, but most of them are dry late, hop. Right. Yeah. You do a dry hop. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would almost say it's like, 
it's like if orange juice, because I get a, like a lot of orange flavor in this. Mm-hmm. It's like if orange juice was as bitter as grapefruit juice. That's that's kind of like what this it's like tastes go, like, 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 like. Like not bad, like but orange, going bad orange, orange juice. flavor, yeah. but like with grapefruit bitterness. Yeah. Yes. So for this, they say this intensely hopped and gushing undead pale ale will be one's only respite after the zombie apocalypse created with our marvelous friends in the comic industry. Um, yeah. I mean, I think gushing is a pretty oh, key yeah, term because sure, yeah. it is just uh, uh, it's in, juicy. In but comparison like, yeah. to the other one, this is complex, but I get predominantly really citrusy hop flavor. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one, we had said we said floral and pine before either of us said anything about fruit flavor. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think? So, in terms of how this compares and differs from Alpha King, what what? What other observations do you have? Well, besides the color of it, which I noticed right off the bat, but like the, I, I think that leads to what I'm going to say is the maltiness is nowhere near. I wouldn't say nowhere near, but like it's definitely lower on the maltiness than yeah, compared to. It's way to, more out of the way. Yeah, it, it's not like a. It's more of a backbone than a primary flavor. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh. So yes, that is the famous zombie dust, and I'm not going to lie. This is a bit of an aside, but. I got so stoked when I saw it in stores in Michigan. Then as a secondary reaction, there was like a little part of me that was kind of disappointed. Does that make any sense? You know, it would be like if Oberon was available year round, you know, I was like, I might be excited at first and then I would go, but now the mystique is gone. And that was sort of, that was my initial feeling where I've come back to is no, this is still a delicious beer, even with I w- without the mystique. I'm yeah. I'm pleased. I can buy it whenever I, I, I was, want. I was actually going to bring that up to you after we had our samples, and I think we'll dive more into it then. But like, do you want to? Yeah, yeah we we'll, can, say, we'll save. That. We can put a pin yeah, in this. We'll put, we'll, yeah. Okay. Well, then all I'll say about it now is that I, even though I can get it whenever I want, I still love zombie yeah. dust. Oh my god, <laughs> it is, what a beer! Okay, so the final one. This is a very cheeky, and I love it. It's called Space Station Middle Finger. Um, here's the description of this <laughs> because it has nothing to really to do with the, what the beer tastes like from the dawn of time, humans have looked to the sky for answers. <laughs> Space station, middle finger replies to all from its eternal orbit. <laughs> Behold and enjoy space station, middle finger, a bright golden American pale ale. I just love that. Like you look to the sky for answers and you just see. You can't see it, but I know what he's, you know what he's you doing. You know what I, yeah, you, you know what I did. Uh, so yeah. Hold on, do I get to describe the, the label on this one? No, it's pretty much pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> I don't think I have to go into any detail with that. A space station giving you a middle finger. But it looks like I mean, honest, I mean, yes, it is obviously the middle finger, but it, it looks like it's like just buildings. Des- just describe yeah. the aesthetic. If this were from a sci-fi movie, what decade was the sci-fi movie made? Oh, this is definitely eighties. Okay. Definitely eighties <laughs> for sure. Like I feel like this is this is the eighties trying to be like, well, this is what the future's gonna be in yeah. you know twenty twenty, and we're here in twenty twenty one being like well, where is it? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's like watching, uh, I don't know if you remember the old school Mario Brothers movie. I never saw it. But like, or even like any kind of like, like future punk, like even look at um, Back to the Future when they go, they actually go in the future and everything else. And like, you have like hover the, boots and the, you have this and then you have the darker version where like, they're all punk and wearing spikes and everything. Yeah. And it's just like, are we supposed to be wearing this now? Right. And I feel like that's what that looks like too. Yeah. That like retro future kind of uh, cyberpunk sort of look almost. I like that. Okay. So, so here we've got American pale ale again. 
Uh, apparently, that is an American space station. Yes, six of course and a half, it is. <laughs> six and a half percent alcohol, 58 IBU. So still pretty high, but the lowest of the group. Yep. The artist on this is Dick Smart. So color is kind of back to that, um, back to the um, Alpha King, a little darker, I was a little thinking, cloudier yeah, it's, it's too, kinda, actually. It's kind of halfway in between the mm-hmm. two, I think. The, the, this, um, it's interesting because this one, they, they call out that it's a golden, and I think Zombie Dust might be lighter than this. Yeah. Um, this is what I expect in a pale ale. Okay. Um, I think the hops with the malt is perfectly balanced. You don't get a heaviness on either one of them. Um, I think, do, do we know hops in this one? Hops unknown. Hops unknown. Space hops. Probably space, probably space hops. Yeah. Probably something related to yeah. space in some way, shape or form. Something, something but dark space. side, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I think this is, I, I love, Would you say I it's love your- Alpha King. I, th- I think this is going to be my favorite. That's your favorite? Yes. Okay, wow. Because like, it's, cause it is, to me, it is the pale ale. Like These two kind of branch off this a little bit. It's the one that gets the this balance. This is the one right? that has the balance right to me. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I can see that. Yeah. That it's like you sort of got the the Alpha King was, was a little maltier than you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Zombie Dust was almost an IPA. You yep. might've guessed it was an IPA for, for your palate. <laughs> and this one is just like kind of down the center, mm-hmm. down the center pale ale, which yeah. you are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, really good. I like it a lot. It is an interesting middle ground too. It's almost like if you took half of zombie dust and half of alpha King and mixed them. Cause I get on the nose, I get a little you bit of that, that, yeah. that malt, like the almost the exact same malt character from Alpha King. That's but it's same, no, it's not but it's near, less, yeah, less less intense for it. And and I find the hops in this to be a little, they're a little fruitier, a little more citrusy. Mm-hmm. But I still get the other, the kind of that classic American overtone of like pine and like sort of rustic flavors as well. Absolutely, yeah. Ah, oh, yes, very good. You know, depending on my mood, I could see what you mean that this might be like I. If I'm looking for pale ale, this is what I. This is what I'm going to gravitate to. If if I was a judge and I was judging all of these, not on how good they were, but on which one was the most pale ale-y, this Mm -hmm. one wins. Yes, exactly. Based on my mood, I would I would pick probably this or zombie dust. Yeah. um, uh, Just based on my personal preference, even though I like my. IPAs to have a little bit of malt to them mm-hmm. uh, often. Yeah. I, I just, for whatever reason, yeah. Out of these three, those those would probably be my my two favorites. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you got Krampus, which I think was, honestly, I think Krampus is, is going to be a, a very, like, they're going to be very kind of clumped together, but I would say Krampus is number two for me. Really? And then I would think um, both Alpha, Alpha King and Zombie Dust are, like, right there with it as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I was just, and I think it's just because of what I'm looking for in the style. Like I, I, I love, absolutely love Zombie Dust. It's a great beer. I think it's more IPA than it is Pale Ale, but yeah. like it's still great beer. But if I'm looking for Pale Ale, I'm going to probably go for this one instead. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. So let's let's do a little roundup here. So overall, now had had, had you had I, I obviously it's different when you're doing a focused tasting. Had you had uh. Most of these beers before already. I have only had zombie dust okay. of these beers. Okay, so so the rest were new. Okay, mm-hmm. so bottom line, you know, not to f- set you up to like you know for a shots fired situation, but <laughs> do you think that the uh, 
have they earned their reputation based on based on the beers that we tried today? Absolutely. I think they pushed about like they, they're still doing very standard beer, four ingredients, nothing extra added really to it. And you're, they're still pushing the limits of their styles. Like, yes, those, I think both um, Zombie Dust and um, Alpha King are both still pale ales, but they push that limit to different styles but as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it because we, uh, you know, it kind of harkens back to what how we discussed Stone when we said what makes Stone special. Part of it was being like really unapologetically in your face about yes. their hoppiness mm-hmm. in particular because we were looking at their IPAs, uh, you know, to the to the point where like if uh, if I was grabbing an IPA for someone that loved classic IPA, mm-hmm. I would grab them Stone. IPA absolutely because it is mm-hmm. it is not a gateway it's it's for IPA lovers yes. you know and yep. it's a yep. really good example if you're an IPA lover um whereas like something like two hearted can be a gateway IPA for people because uh it's it's just a little bit it's a middle ground it's a little more yeah. approachable yeah it's yeah. not not an IPA but it's not aggressively in your face. yeah not, yeah aggressive not in your face and i would say yeah maybe maybe that's kind of the the thing their take on the pale ale is like they push it to its very limit. Mm-hmm. What could be a pale ale, and even with the the, the porter, like adding all that hop into yeah. a porter, it's 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 a very different take onto a porter, yeah, it's a bold and still take. not and still not changing the build of having an extra ingredient to it. Like I, I think it's very yeah. unique and very different. I think it's it's um it's I think it's awesome. You're right that the porter was like that that hit a particular because I said it's kind of like a black IPA, but it's not exactly like a black IPA. Because you still get a lot of like a black IPA has some maltiness to it, but but it's less than lot, that. Yeah, yeah, a lot less. It was just a that. very unique beer. Yes. Like it it mm-hmm. sat on the dartboard of you know whatever like the n dimensional you know, dartboard of, of like different beer flavors. It like, yeah, it occupied a spot that I don't know that I've ever had another beer quite like no, it. Not even close. And no. I think that is to more or less extent true of their, their pale ales, but I definitely think they at least were all distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's kind of part of why they are, they like the pale ale so much as it's, it's sort of a, between that and their IPA, it's like, if you like hops, there's something for everyone. There's yeah, like a huge exactly. range of, you know, we can't comment on whether their IPAs are similarly varied, but, um, but if you like hops, this is where you want to be. It's like one yeah. of these beers is your beer. Yeah. You just have to kind of, you have to figure it out. Um, okay. So, so then, yeah. I mean, do we have anything more to say about this? So like that, that I think, I think you summed up really well, what makes them special, their mm-hmm. ability to kind of find uniqueness within standard ingredients and to, um, to kind of push the boundaries of what a style can be and, mm-hmm. you know, put whether it's a porter or a pale ale. Mm-hmm. So in particular, why do you think, first of all, they, given that they love hops so much, why do they focus on pale ale rather than IPA? And uh, why, how, how do they manage to be so popular within a style that isn't super popular? I think, I think it's a marketing ploy in which like everyone, okay. Like you're sitting there and you're just like, okay, everyone's doing IPAs. IPAs are so hot right now. Like you got to fight against everyone else making these IPAs that are 
like adding that fifth ingredient or using some weird hop combination or adding malts they usually don't work together. Like, what can we do to kind of stick out a little bit? And I think someone just said, let's just do, say we're doing pale ales. They are technically pale ales, but like we're going to push that limit to almost be an IPA or almost be an amber with a little extra maltiness. And I think it's genius because like we said, the only other really pale ales is is here in Nevada for the most part where you can get. It's by far the most yeah. widely distributed one, yeah. And if you go to a store, you probably won't see that many just pale ales. You might see yeah. like a brewery might do like six IPAs and then like, oh, here's a pale ale in case you just want it. Like I think Dragon Mead does, what is it, Broken Paddle? Pale, is that a, That's a pale ale, yeah, correct? Yeah, maybe. But then they do like six other like variations IPAs, of IPAs. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just something that's different that sticks out to people. Yeah. Like, can people be like, pale ale? Is that, is that similar to an I, is that similar to yeah. IPA? Or like, what what's a pale ale? And they, they yeah. try it and they're like, oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. I, I wonder too if it's like kind of a historical footnote where like if Alpha King was their uh, flagship from the beginning, then that's like since the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when they released Zombie Dust, but perhaps it's just that like at the time. IPAs weren't so big, so these beers were just about as hoppy as it got, and uh, and now people just still like them because they're just good beers, even though mm-hmm. there are like hoppier beers out there. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed too is that like like a double IPA uh, for me, it's not often something I'm in the mood for, even if I really want something hoppy. Mm-hmm. Double IPA is just so intense. It's like Agreed. a it's it's a battering ram of flavor because <laughs> the high ABV means it's really malty because mm-hmm. you got to balance the hops out yep. and then it's really hoppy and it's just like it just wallops you with flavor and yes. these are very hoppy um, but not so overwhelming and even the malty one was not the same amount of just intense malt flavor that I kind of counterintuitively I get from double IPA I get yes. this intense maltiness followed by this intense hoppiness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of, in a different way from New England IPA, managed to be really hoppy without being really like IP, like way IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, agreed, agreed. And I think that's the balance of the malt with it as well. Like yeah. With with the Alpha King, like the maltiness that comes in there does balance it out. And even with um with Space Station Middle Finger, like it definitely is a nice balance between the two with malt and, and hops. I think it's yeah. perfectly done. Um, nothing that hits you too much in the face with anything there. Right. Okay, so so final sort of take back question. Um, what are is there anything from this tasting that you are going to kind of take back as as wisdom for your future brews, or did trying these inspire you to to possibly make anything? You know, kind of how is this going <laughs> to how is this tasting <laughs> how is this field research going to feed into your uh, your brewing? I think it's. It is about testing new things and trying new things and knowing that you can actually do that without adding in a fifth ingredient, which is usually what I go for to try and have something stick out. So like the one, I do probably two beers on a regular basis now that aren't, that are true beers without the fifth ingredient. That is the the Nipa I do and then a Porter I do as well. Um, And they are pretty much like the standard beer, nothing really fancy with it, but like you try different grains and you try different hops and let's try to make it stick out. And I think that's what they're showing that can be done without going. I, w- I guess hipster isn't the right word, but it's the best word for all these, a lot of the hipster brewers out there where like, yeah. let's add 
coconut There's, and this and this and right. this and then we without have, going like way off the rails on yes. your yeah yeah that that's a really good take back I think you can find uh, uniqueness without adding things to the original four it's just about a unique combination of them mm-hmm. yeah I would love to see. I'd love to see something like that out of your brewery. Like, uh, just not, not, not just like make some more beers that don't have crap in them, but like, but just, I, I, I think it would be fun to see you have a take on like, I want, this is kind of what I want to achieve. And I'm going to figure out a way to achieve it without adding anything Mm -hmm. like just, you know, cause you're a very creative brewer. So a creative implementation of just the four ingredients, I would be interesting to, I'd be really interested to see, what you come up with. Yeah. Maybe I, take one of the beers that I already currently do with a fifth ingredient and try to find a way to brew it to get similar way without it. So like, yeah. for instance, I got the uh, Goron Spice right next to us, um, about to be ready to get kegged. And with it goes um, a tincture of peppers. Um, and I wonder if there's a way, maybe probably with hops, that give enough spiciness to make it still a spiced ale hmm. without having to put that tincture in. That might be a tough one. <laughs> it would be, but it would be, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like as an mm-hmm. example, like the shortened stout, maybe sign yeah. of hops that have more of a earthy tea flavor yeah. to them instead like of putting how, actual how, tea How much there. tea can I get in this beer without adding tea to the exactly. beer? Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what about yeah. you? So I would say for me, uh, so one, I would like to make a pale ale someday, but I have, I've hemmed and hawed on it because it actually feels like a really hard beer to make because it, it has to be this like Goldilocks zone thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've put off trying to make it until I feel a little bit more experienced. And I think that, uh, trying these three has just been good for kind of figuring out what I would want. I think I would agree with you if I were to make one. Uh, I, I I would possibly just make a zombie dust clone at some point because it's a really good mm-hmm. singular beer. But if I was trying to make a pale ale, I'm going to aim for something more like Space Station. Yeah. The other take back I would have is uh, like with Two Hearted, I think zombie dust is a really good lesson in doing more with less. Like the amount mm-hmm. of hop complexity they get from one hop mm-hmm. makes me think... Uh, you know, that maybe, you know, I, I, a lot of times if I'm making a beer with a hot presence, I will feel compelled to have at least two. And a lot of times mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'll sit is like two that play well together, maybe three. Um, but you can, you know, two of the like most kind of like really famous hoppy beers in the Midwest are both made with one hop. So obviously yeah. there are other things you can do to get complexity out of your hops, like the timing mm-hmm. and you know, the, the malts that you use to support it in the yeast. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a good lesson. You know, I'd be curious to see, to try making a single hop kind of hoppy beer and see how good I can make it. Doing a smash beer. Yeah. Well, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I just think that's a good lesson that like you don't need multiple types of hops to get complexity or to make something really good. Now, real quick, we, 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 we started talking about it. We waited till now, but I want to bring it up. With this being in Michigan now, does this, I know you kind of said a little bit, but does that change anything for you with this beer? Or is that, is that something to watch out when you have something like this? So like if Yingling came to 
Michigan finally. And we're like, yes, we're going to get all of it and buy a bunch of it. And then we start drinking it. And it's like, okay, maybe it's not as not as good. Yeah. Do you have that? Like, it's, I know you said you had, a little, you had a little bit of worry about it. Like, it's funny that you say you use the Yingling example because I... I know with certainty I wouldn't buy bother to buy Yingling if it was yes. available here. Like, <laughs> like I really do know that. Like, it's a it's a good beer, but it's not mind blowingly good. Like, it's just fun. It is literally just a limited demand thing. Like, it's fun because mm-hmm. you can't get it. Yeah. So it's a neat thing to do. It's kind of like a when in Rome thing. Yeah. Like, oh, cool, we can get Yingling here. Let's let's get Yingling. Mm-hmm. And that was part of why I was bummed. Is I just I was like it. There is no mystique for me anymore about Three Floyds. You know, it's not a pilgrimage location. It's not a limited quantity. I can have zombie dust whenever I want. Mm -hmm. So I I can't say for me, you know, I like recognize that I really do think like that. That like I'll I'll, I'll let myself get amped up about something being limited or being Mm -hmm. rare or whatever. Like it's part of the experience. With that said... um, I still think the beers are really good. Yeah. And so it's changed my experience, but it hasn't, it's just altered it to a different thing. Now there's just a beer. It's, I was like this with the Kentucky bourbon barrel ale where Mm. like when it started appearing up here, I was excited and then it kind of made it less special. And then I was like, yeah, but it's still phenomenal. (laughs) And now I can get it whenever I want. (laughs) And that's kind of where I'm at. It is like, I'm, uh, there's no mystique, but it's still really excellent beer. And I'm pleased that I can buy it. And I plan to buy a lot of it. Yeah, no, I I agree hundred percent with you. With everything you said, I think that's, um, a perfect way to describe like, Oh my God, it's finally here. It's finally here. But then like you go to the store, like, yeah, it's still here. And then you're like, but do I want that right now? No, I'm going to get this. And, and it is interesting too. Now that their brew pub is closed, um, there is kind of still this, you know, like uh, with with them having like now, like it's almost like a monastery where it's like they yeah. they don't serve the beers. You literally have to drive up and they'll put they'll put it in your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like from what I've heard very much how the Belgian monasteries work. And there are tantalizingly beers that if I were to go there, I could get that I've never tried before. Exactly. Yeah. So I think. So that, you still have the. I think maybe I would say yeah. Some of the beers they've kind of managed to retain that, just mm-hmm. not with the beers that we can get. Here. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and there is still, you know, like their Oktoberfest. I managed to buy once. Yeah. And now it's gone. Yeah. And like I've been like that with. Uh, I'm really in love with Old Nation's Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Old Nation who make like M43. Yeah. And uh, I just because an Oktoberfest is a limited thing. Every time we go to Meyer, I'm like, oh God, we better get somewhere because it could be gone soon. Yes. <laughs> and so like Three Floyds was like that. I got their Oktoberfest exactly once mm-hmm. and then never saw it again. So there is still that with their limited releases too, even when they are like for all you know, you might, you know, I, I could, you could ask me to go get you some Alpha Claws at the store I found it at and it could be gone. It could you be. Know? And so there's still that. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think they've struck a good balance. Yeah. All right. So. I think this was a great episode. We got some more beers finished while we record our next episode, um, which which uh, was is actually the previous episode, I think, based on the schedule. Eh, they don't know. But we're out of recording order. Anyways, <laughs> but going with that, Mike, where can they find you? Where can the people find you? You can find us at Brewers in Law <laughs> nice on change. Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you can also find more information about our episodes and our podcast at brothersinlaw.com. In both cases, it's all one word, B-R-E-W, Thursinlaw. 
Yes. Like, you know, brothers, but B-R-E-W. It's, it's clever. Yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so those are the places to find me. Just find us and you'll find me. Yes. Ryan, where can people find you if they want just the purified Ryan experience? The purified Ryan experience. I don't know if you want that. Um, <laughs> um, Distilled. You can find me uh, personally on Twitter at Rambo Coon. That's R-A-M-B-O-K-U-H-N. Um, or if you just want to talk more brewing stuff, um, I'm at Wise Old Owls Brew. And if you want to see some videos that I've done with brewing and other things beer related, I am on TikTok. I am with those those uh those ex-zeros. youths, the youths, <laughs> the youths. Um, and that is also Wise Old Owl Brew. Uh, Wise Old Owl Brew as well. So I, I show videos of me making my all the stuffs making the beer and a few other fun videos that I um, do as well. Awesome. And of course, if you have any other ideas about our first sip, uh, a beer or brewery or type of beer that you wish you could find more in your area, let us know what you what you would like to have. Um, leave us any other comments that you would like. Um, and also make sure wherever you listen to your podcast, the rate us so more people are able to find us and we can spread the love of beer and brewing. Yeah. So interesting. One, one last little thing when... Um you were talking about, you know, comments on the first sip. If you live somewhere else, you know, like, uh, I don't know, the the East Coast or, or the West Coast or, or the South, and you, there's a brewery near you that is kind of has this mystique of being like a destination, hard to find. Uh, I'd be fascinated to know kind of yes. what, what the Let local ones are because yes. Three Floyds is kind of a local Midwest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it, it would just be interesting to know kind of what whether there are others that exactly, are exactly. Yeah, around. no, agreed, 100%. Well, All right, let's get ready for the next one and until next time, guys. Cheers, cheers. cheers.